Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today, I'm talking to two women who have made me a celebrity in my own home. Karen Rabinovitz and Sarah Schiller are the co-founders of the Slumu Institute. And as we get into today's story, I think that you're going to be really surprised as to how they came up with the idea for Slumu, how it started, and how this phenomenon became just that. But before we get into today's episode, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. I've been building brands for nearly 25 years, and with a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. This podcast is my twice-weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is the show that I wanted 13 years ago when I became a female founder. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that I can share to help you, please, I invite you to reach out. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. Text it to a friend or share it in your stories. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder, I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you left a five-star rating or review as that's how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories like the one we're sharing here today. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Founder and you can leave a rating or review wherever it is that you listen. Slumu Institute celebrates joy through sensory play, and the mission is simple. It's to embrace the power of satisfying through vivid color, the sense of scent, tactile compounds, and captivating visuals and sounds. The Slumu Institute launched in October of 2019 with an interactive 12,000 square foot experiential space in Soho, New York. Slumu's universe expanded to Chicago and Atlanta in the winter of 2022 and plans to continue to unleash a sense of freedom and escape in inclusive spaces, whether you're a kid or a kid at heart around the world. So look out for more spaces in the future. But for now, come on in and meet Sarah and Karen, the co-founders of Slumu Institute. So today and dear founder, we have the two women who have made me the coolest person in my house. And I am so excited to introduce you to Karen Rabinovitz and Sarah Schiller, who are the co-founders of the Slumu Institute. Welcome, you guys, to Dear Founder. Hi, thank you. So I'd love to start off by having you guys share your story about Slumu. I need you guys to tell everyone what Slumu is, because there are people who are listening who don't have kids and who might not know or who might not live in Chicago, Atlanta or New York. So I need you to tell us what Slumu is and how you guys got started. What? Yeah. What Slumu is? Yeah. How we got started? So this is Sarah. Um, Slumu is a world of sensory play and joy. It's centered around slime, but we have 
so much more. We have different compounds called slumalgamations. We have a ton of ASMR moments. So we're an immersive experience. You can slingshot slime. You can walk on slime. You can have slime dumped on you at our Slumu Falls. You can see your heartbeat on slime. Um, most importantly, with every ticket, you get to make a custom slime at our DIY bar. And that Slumu slime you get to take home with you. And, you know, this this really started from a very personal place. Um, first, this is Karen speaking, and uh, Sarah and I have been friends for 15 years. and. Uh, in 2017, my entire life just incinerated. I was going through a really difficult time. There was a lot of tragedy around loss in my life. And I was in an intense place of grief and mourning and severe depression. I had first lost my husband. And then pretty soon after, I lost my cousin in the Parkland school shooting. So I was as down and out as a human can get. And during this period, A, you see who your friends really are. And Sarah really showed up for me. And B, um, I really, I really didn't leave my house much. And a friend of mine came over with her with her daughter. At the time, her daughter was 10. And her daughter had come from a slime convention and had tons of slime with her. And I grew up with slime in the 70s when it first came out by Mattel. So I was very curious about today's slime. And I was also aware there was a massive cultural zeitgeist that there were you know 30 billion plus views on YouTube. And there was an entire slime community and slime influencers. So I, I was intrigued. And the minute she gave me a slime and I sort of sunk my hands in, it was transported for me. I, it was, it smelled good. It made incredible sounds. It was beautiful to look at the way that, um, the way that it looked and would be amorphous and change. And I could control it with my hands. I could make bubbles. I could pop them. And before I realized that four hours went by and in those four hours, my, after they were leaving, I realized this was the first period of time in about two years that I had a true sense of joy. And I had escaped all of the depression I was in. And I was really getting help and trying to get out of the sort of despair and find pockets of escape in healthy, you know, ways where I didn't feel sort of almost um, crippled. I mean, I really, I did feel that level of, you know, weight on me. And I said, if anything can make me feel this, I need more. So I got the names of the best you know, slimers who were kids selling their slime on Etsy. And I started to buy slime. And Sarah um, was going through a very, very stressful time of her own. And I said, I got to bring some slime to you. And it began with us in our late 40s getting together and playing with slime. And then her, she has two daughters and we would play with her daughters, but we would all have our own conversations and we would see how her daughters would interact with each other. And Sarah will share her story in a moment. But you know, we both just fell in love with it. And before we even knew it, we were talking about slime every single day. And we finally said, we have to bring this to people because there's something magical about what we were doing. And that is sort of how we came to the idea of creating an experience. And in the beginning, we thought, oh, maybe it's this little thing. And then before we knew it, we were taking up 
you know, 12,000 square feet in Soho and raising money and putting a business plan together. And a year later, we opened our doors and now we're a little more than three years in and have three spaces and we're growing and we're really building a business that is centered around delivering joy with a lot of mission really fueling us both around mental health and neurodiverse inclusion. And that is where Sarah, I'm going to have her dovetail into her story. Yeah. So um, my background is um, from a work perspective, I come out of hospitality and business management. Um, I have a now 15 year old who has a rare genetic syndrome called Angelman syndrome. And uh, she needs a lot of care. She needs support with all activities of daily living. And in 2015, my husband had massive bilateral strokes on both sides of his brain at 50 years old. And he is severely disabled, both cognitively and physically. So um, I sort of woke up one day uh, as the head of a household taking care of two people who needed a lot of care with a very precocious uh, younger daughter who is typically developing. And um, when, when Karen and I came together as really seasoned entrepreneurs, we both started companies before this one, um, we, we really just had this immediate um, agreement on everything. Like we have very different skill sets, but we had the, this ability to um, know what we wanted to do when we were building a brand and what that experience is like all around slime um, and came together and we opened our doors like from from ideation to opening our doors was less than a year um, construction was eight weeks so we really we fast forwarded this project so immensely um, and unbelievably and really luckily because we opened and then four months later we shut our doors because of the pandemic I know I always say the sort of blessing and the curse to working the way we work is that we move fast and we get things done. But the curse is that sometimes we're fixing the engine while we're flying the plane. And at the That's, same we've done it another way. We might never have opened because of the pandemic. Well, and the thing too is the way that you just described it, most entrepreneurs actually function that way. Most um, entrepreneurs are building the plane while they fly it. And I know a lot of times it doesn't seem that way until you really dig in and you ask them their story, right? But one of the things that I just, first and foremost, I, I just took down a lot of notes, but I love that you started a business that brought joy to you and you wanted to pay that forward. So that in and of itself, I think just speaks a lot to both the two of you as humans, not just founders and business owners, but the type of community and organization you wanted to bring was not self-serving. And you know, that is like what I took away from that story, both of your stories. And so, you know, I, I like to point that out because people start businesses for different reasons. Right. And I think the way that the way and the reason why you started yours really speaks volumes about the two of you. The second thing that I wanted to bring up is and really ask you guys is when you were deciding how to bring this to other people and how to bring joy to other people, why did you decide on an experience first versus just simply making the product? For us, I don't think that anything is really about just a product. And I think that when I really think about what happened 
to me on a personal level that day was I, I had an experience in that I was sitting with a 10 year old who was educating me about the benefit of slime without her actually speaking about mental health. She was sharing with me how, look, the scent and, and the scent reminds me of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when I, Sarah and I have this great story about the first time, like the first time we shared slime, it smelled like Fruit Loop cereal. And we instantly were transformed into seven. And Sarah was like, this is when I was at the table fighting with my brothers over who gets it because we were only allowed, you know, X amount of cereal a week. And I was like, I was at the table with my mom negotiating for more because I was only allowed one bowl a week. And, you know, there's this really playful, funny memory and scent is the sense that's closest tied to memory. So I realized when I was really sitting in the sensory universe of like tapping into my sense of scent, my sense of sight, my sense of touch and my sense of sound, because we're making these crackly sounds with slime as we're playing with it. And, and it happened over a four hour stretch. So for me, it wasn't just a product. And then when Sarah and I started playing with it together, we weren't just playing with a product. We were creating experience and memory and connecting. And you stop looking at your phone. You stop getting distracted and you start getting in the moment. And I had no ability to be in a moment in any way because I was living in grief and pain and past and replaying everything in my you know head and... Well, and I can attest to everything that you say, because I, one of the reasons that I love slime so much in my own house, which most parents don't say that because most parents don't want slime in their house is because every time I go into my nine-year-old's room and she's playing with slime, she's playing with slime and she's not on her screen. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather her be sitting there doing what you're doing in front of me right now. And for those of you who are listening, not watching you know, Sarah and um, Karen are sitting playing with slime at the moment. And I, I would much rather Lila be doing that. But I want you to take me back to that time in 2018. It was 2018 when you kind of started this. Yes. When you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take me back to 2018. And I'd like to understand your thought process when, when you're like, okay, we're going to bring slime to people. How did you decide it was going to be what it is today? And I know it's probably had some iterations, but how did you decide like, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do where people are going to be slimed like on Nickelodeon. I mean, how did you guys come up with like this concept? It it took us a couple hours, honestly. And I know it sounds crazy, but we sat down and we just had so many ideas And actually, so many of those ideas got into and made it into the experience at the end of the day. Um, We have a list of others that, you know, we still want to build, but it it wasn't, it wasn't that hard for us. We, we both love the arts. And uh, one of the things I do harken back on is that um, we had been going to see arts been in both of our lives for 25 years, but we'd been going to the art fairs and we went to an art fair in 2014. And all we did was go see performances, artistic performances. We weren't seeing paintings on the wall. And I think that really, we, we always talked about those moments of, of performance and being in something as being so special. And I think that stuck with us as we started to say, 
what would be special for people to experience at SLUMU? And what are the kinds of things they can do in our world that they can't not that they can't do at home? And how do you build it? Because in a way that will create awe for the adults too. Because kids, you can put slime in a garbage bag. You can give them disgusting used slime. They don't care. They they love slime. But we were like, we can make this an art experience. We can bring glossy design and really, you know, contemporary um, spaces that are giving you a narrative journey as you're walking through them through your senses and through this kind of concept that no matter how much you think you're not going to like it, you're going to wind up playing because you can't help yourself when you're in our world. It's very wondrous and inviting and um, get, it makes an adult feel like a kid again, it, but in an environment that they would be comfortable in if they were going to see a really highbrow art show without it feeling exclusive. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk. A lot of you have reached out to share your own social media struggle with me. Whether you're overwhelmed by all the features, can't handle the technical options, or just don't know where to start for your business, you're paralyzed. And I totally, totally get it. I don't want you to spend another minute stuck in the social media closet, embarrassed that you can't figure it out. Let's fix it. Later this spring, I'm going to hold your hand and walk you step-by-step through my signature class, Social Media for Small Business Bootcamp. With five live lessons over five days, we'll get you set up, running, and understanding how to apply social media basics for business growth. And we're going to be doing it together. You'll learn what to post where, when, and why. We'll make reels, and you'll learn some of my favorite and easy strategies for growth. And the best part, you're going to get to meet and interact with many other small business owners just like you. Does this sound like something you could get on board with? Let me know. Click the link in my show notes. Get on the wait list. You're going to be the first to know when registration is live in just a couple of weeks. Let me know if you have any questions. So once you guys had your ideas on paper, what was the next step? You mentioned raising money, but walk me through the steps of how this got off the ground and how you got to the day where you cut the ribbon and the doors opened. We we did a whole bunch of things simultaneously. So simultaneously, we are looking for real estate, doing the legal work of like operating agreements and all of the, you know, smart trademarking and admin coming up with our name, like how we came, how we came up with the word, the, the, the brand name Slumu Institute. Uh, there was a really funny behavior in 2017 and people were saying all over social media, replace the vowels of your name with OO. That's your slime name. So I'm sitting with Suru. Um, and you know, you're fooned for, oh my God, you're fooned for. <laughs> um, and she's Kurun. So when you come into sl- slime is slumu. When you come into slumu, the first thing you get is your slime name, and some okay. logical level, you're giving yourself permission to play. And it, we didn't even really think about that. It just was such an intrinsic part of things. And and at the same time, Sarah's bringing in an architect that she has done work with, and I'm bringing in a brand graphic designer who I've done work with, and we're kind of all brainstorming in a room. What does a logo look like? What does an experience look like? How are you getting your hands around five gallons of slime at once? What what are you playing in? And we're also seeing spaces real estate-wise throughout the city. We got on a plane and 
we flew to Atlanta to meet with Elmer's, um, which became one of our great partners. And, and uh, so I made with Elmer's is, is we think it's the best. Um, so we were, we were firing on all levels from the financial to the product, to the partnerships, to the branding, the logo, and we just pushed it through. As Sarah's working with contractors, I'm building out the marketing plan and the PR plan. And, you know, we each have really kind of wild ways of working. Um, and to get, you know, to get things done, like I'll never, ever, 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 ever put something in a, any form of spreadsheet. But I, I know exactly what the marketing plan was and I knew how to execute it. And it was like, I was a one person show doing it. And Sarah was a one person show doing construction. And we came together around what does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, what is the journey? What is, what is the design? And ultimately, what does the brand become about? What is the larger long-term strategy? Uh, bless you. Thank you. You know, we thought this would be a six month pop-up and we would travel city to city. And as we did this, we thought this is actually this can withstand the test of time because it goes beyond slime. I mean, there's scentscapes, there's soundscapes, there's, you know, you're in a creative environment, there's immersive video, there's um, kinetic sand, you know, there's there's other elements that kind of go into this kind of analog sense of the tactile and experiencing things that make you think and make you play and literally still off your screen. You're not just standing and taking an, Instagram photo and leaving. You're playing. So something I want to talk to you about is how you got people to Slumu on the first day. Like, how did you, how did you find customers? Because I think a lot of businesses right now, especially going into the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. So you really kind of had to find customers to come in twice. You know, people are starting, are going out, they're back to normal. They're in public now, but I have talked to other founders who have events, experiences, and it's kind of like starting over again. You know, I even spoke to my old company who, you know, I'm not there anymore, but we used to do thousands of events for parents and parents to be. And I spoke to someone there recently and they were like, it's like starting over because no one knows who we are because for the last three years we weren't doing events and we were reaching people totally different. So I think it's really interesting to hear your perspective on how you got people to SLUMU and how you still get people to SLUMU. What is that process? What does it look like? What is the plan? So um, uh, my background is as a, I started as a journalist back in 1994 and it was a print time, but I really moved into digital in about 2003 and 2004 and started consulting around what we now call social media. I really felt that the pulse of communication was moving there and that it would be a very peer-to-peer -peer world versus versus you know sort of magazine to peer and uh, versus brand to sort of shouting that everything would be a very two-way dialogue. And my business before this was a talent management agency for social media influencers, and I began that company really before people were paying them, before people were recognizing them as a viable channel. And I saw that world as the equivalent of television killed the radio star in a way, even though now it's like podcasts because we're all doing so much and you you want to listen. But again, it's 
it's almost like these new forms of media start to, to take over the way that the car took over the, the horse um, or the train took over the horse and then the car took over the train. And, and so when the plane took over, it's et cetera, et cetera. So because I had a background knowing a lot of influencers, I had a lot of great relationships that I could rely on. I understood these sort of natural behaviors on social media platforms. I understood how to really use them well. And I knew storytelling. I also knew that it was important for us to tell our personal stories. And we do so because, you know, I think it's really important that especially other women see that you could be handed the worst things in life and actually come out again and rebirth and start anew. And I am very open about the depression I experienced because I didn't think I would live. I really didn't. And I thought I would die of a broken heart. I thought I would, my, my, my misery would literally bring me cancer. And and to be honest, I was praying that it did. And to come out of that and create a new and do so in a, in a really beautiful, fun way and give back and find healing and do it with a friend who has experienced so much in a similar way around loss, because what happened to her husband is, is, a, is loss and, and, and watching her parents and like seeing her handle things with grace are talking about these things that were once really shamed has opened the door for other people to feel comfortable about the, both of these things. And both of these things have been hard for others to share. So our being really open about it, I think really invited people because we're real women. You know, we didn't, we're not throwing off of a trust fund. We're not, you know, getting other people to do things for us. Like we are still doing or we're our own assistants. We're having a board meeting. And one of our board members was like, um, so you're going to need your lawyer or um, an, an EA to take the minutes. And I was like, well, Sarah took the minutes in the last board meeting. And I mean, we kind of need her to do it again because we don't want to pay the lawyer $800 an hour to take the minutes that we're perfectly capable of taking. Right. So, you know, well, I want to, I want to cut to the chase here. Karen is a genius around influencer marketing. And that helps when you're launching a business. Well, a thousand percent. But I, and I want to say though, too, that you said something that I want to reiterate for the people who are listening. And it's not just that you are, know how to use influencers to market. It's that you tapped into your experience and your relationships in your network. And I think whether it's in influencer marketing or whether it's in another aspect of business, when you're starting a business, you have to look within and you have to see, where do I have those relationships? Where do I have that experience? How can I, what is the low hanging fruit? And I just had a conversation with a client today and I said, we got to go after the low hanging fruit on your end first, and then we can add the second layer. Your low hanging fruit was your experience with influencers and you are a genius with it. And you got them to come in and to experience and to share. And then everyone wanted to share, to be a part of it. Right. Like I also knew, you know, I'm never going to tell an influencer to come in and you have to do this, 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 and this way that becomes a work. I'm saying, come and play. This is our story. It is real. Like, Sarah has really championed having a neurodiverse workforce and we hire adults with autism. 85% of adults with autism cannot get jobs. 
And she's really opened my eyes to that world as a friend, because I've now experienced anybody who might be neurodiverse in a very different way. And I think it made me a better human being. And I love that we get to impart this to our team and to a customer facing world, because I think it teaches everybody something about thinking differently and patience and not everything has to live in a certain box or look a certain way to be beautiful. And we're living at a time where all of those things I think are really important. And there's, there's so much hate in the world. Our universe is like, all of that is left behind. We don't care where you stand in the world, what you have, what you don't have, you know, you get to come in and shed all of that because you can't be beautiful and chic and all of these, like check off every single box of the things we all think we're supposed to be when you're playing with slime. I love that your brand. I I don't even, I don't know how I want to say this. I love that you didn't have to necessarily sit down and create brand ideals because your brand are, it's your ideals and it's how you want to live your life. And so that makes it so much easier when you're trying to sell something because you don't even have to sell it. There's nothing to sell. You live it. We live it. We believe it. I think that's one of the beautiful things about starting a business in your late forties is you know exactly what's important to you. And you have that experience that you mentioned that you can tap into and bring to life. And we, it's really clear to us what we want to do and where we want to work. I always say like, both of us could go get jobs at, you know, L'Oreal or American Express and, and sort of move on with things, but that's not how we're wired. And we want to be able to do things like support mental health, especially with, with kids and support inclusion in a really meaningful way. And we've been able to tie it into the business, not just tie it in, it's in the fabric of the business. It, it is in- the business. I mean, it's... Because slime is imperfect. And look, a lot of parents, we read this in our reviews or we read this in the emails. Um, I hate slime. I don't want it in the house. Um, so A, we say, we joke that this is a place for anyone who's ever said or heard no slime in the house. But then when they come into our space... The parents actually find themselves a few minutes in elbow deep themselves. And then they say, I actually needed this more than my child. And now I understand. And our, our slime, like slime does get sticky, but if you know how to care for your slime, it doesn't have to get sticky. It doesn't have to leave a mess. You can take it out of anything, furniture, carpet, clothes, et cetera, white vinegar and water. Like when you start to understand that and you see that there's a real benefit to it, you start to do it in a, you start to see it in a different way. And then what you're actually doing as a, as a, an adult, you're showing the kid in your life that you are going to take interest in something that they are passionate about. And then they feel heard and seen. When, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. No, to add as like, as a mom, especially working moms, which like almost all of us are, um, you, you're really looking for opportunities to connect with your children in a meaningful way. And in particular, when they start to get to that tween phase, um, you're, you want to have conversations with them that start to get more serious or more complicated. They start to understand the world differently. And one of the things that I've loved about slime and getting people off people, my own children off their phones is having those 
really wonderful, meaningful conversations where we're connecting with each other. And we can do everything from talk about her gender identity or have a sex talk or talk about her disabled father and sister, or just sit there and talk about things that she loves like anime and, and reading. And it's all at the same level because we're actually just playing with slime and she doesn't know we're we're really having a, a serious conversation about gender identity or something. And it's been just this amazing way to connect. And that's what I say about Slimu is when you come in and play at Slimu, you're connecting with yourself, right? You're connecting your, your hands to your mind and your body, but you're also connecting with others. And when you're literally just playing and looking at others, you're looking at each other in the eye and having that meaningful moment. When you guys had to close the doors because of the pandemic, how did that, I mean, obviously it impacted your business, but how and how did you move forward from that? We we really dug into what we know well. Um, and for Karen, that was a big focus on uh, growing our, I didn't think she knew it was going to grow so fast, but making a gr- amazing content on TikTok. So we grew to 1.7 million followers. And that was really during the pandemic. And then again, like tap, you said, tapping into things, you know, like I was like, we, all of these kids don't have mini camps. They don't have after school. And we just started riffing on what an after school program would look like if it was, you know, virtual online. And well, most people would say, how would you do that with slime? Right. It's physical. We started creating extensive programming and mailing people kits. And what I loved about that time is the people who were in the classes found community with each other because they were so isolated and they were able to connect with other kiddos that love slime. And then they were like, okay, we're going to sign up for the next semester. Are you guys, we want to all be in the same class. What time are you going? And it's just the same thing that would have happened at school, but it was happening in the world that Slumu created around summer camps and, and after school. And I think that kept us knowing that our brand was meaningful and connecting to people, even if they weren't physically in the space. I remember one thing we did in our all of our uh, virtual classes. At the end, we have a song and we played our song and we were like, everybody get off of your seat, like get up right now, everybody get up and we're going to dance and just dance like nobody's watching. And we would just like throw ourselves around and jump up and down. And we would see the kids doing it with the slime they made. You would see like the parents come in and start dancing with the kids. And this was, we were making it a celebration. And the other thing I think that, and by the way, we refunded like hundreds of thousands of dollars of tickets during this time. And while we had a no refund policy and could have said to everybody, um, just use it on the other side of this, because one day there will be another side. We were like, you know, we can't be, excuse my language, we can't be assholes. Like people are going to struggle and we have to give everybody their money back. And if they want it back, and some people did choose to say, I'll come back when this is over one day. and but I also- would venture to say that most people also like because you gave the money back, people were also more apt to come back and buy the tickets and probably come back time and time again and do your camps. And, you know, the customer service element was so important during covid. And I lived it right there with you. I I, I mean, I was hosting an event with Target in 300 stores during the March 20th weekend that we had to cancel oh. and turn virtual. So, you know, I, I get it. And I and we had to refund a ton of ticket sales that we had as well for some of our events at my old company. But 
people stuck around because we weren't assholes. Like right. to your point, you know, they still wanted to engage with us. They still wanted to be a part of what we were doing. And then when you did open your doors again, I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had this bigger brand following online. You have all these TikTok followers. And that was really probably what set the precedent for you to be able to open two more locations in the last year. And people, I think, felt like they knew us in some way as a brand, like we created emotional connections. It also gave uh, Sarah and me time to really think about what are the other levels of our brand? Where does this go? Where are the cities we want to be in? How do we want to make these decisions? What is that filter? What are the other lines of brand extension that this message of delivering joy lives in outside of a physical space? You know, what is the IP? What are the books? What is the animated film? You know, what is the streaming series? What is the our version of like an animal crossing or a metaverse kind of world, like universe, metaverse, universe, you know. And now you have multiple brand extensions. You, I mean, you just went through a bunch of them, but, and you have product. You do have and product. Started to build our subscription boxes. We started to focus on our slime drops, um, but it also really gave us a roadmap for the next five years, which we're really delving into now. It's not public yet. I'm not public yet in that it's nothing lives yet, but we're yeah. literally also creating a whole media brand. Which is amazing. How how many times have you raised money? Well, twice. The first, when we first opened. Um, once we did a series B, I mean, series A, and that's it. And now we're looking at saying we're in a growth phase. Do we raise money? Do we do a line of credit? You know, what's the best way for us to move forward, knowing that we want to take our trajectory in a way that we can still handle it and build the infrastructure. And we know that that, that costs money. And also these real estate deals, what we're doing, and we're taking large spaces and incredible risks. And actually at one point during the pandemic, I was, I had moments of you know, not sleeping for months and months and months. I was really, I had a lot of fear because <laughs> I i felt um, I'm so emotionally attached to this brand and I don't really separate personal and business. And that's either my best or my worst quality. It's, it's both for me, but I was really scared because I had gone through so much loss in my life. And I, I just like couldn't bear another, a thought of losing something else. And Sarah at one point said to me, you know, one of the things I love about working with you is that you're fearless, but right now you're not being fearless. And I was like, F not, I'm going to be fearless again. You're right. I'm being, I'm not being fearless. And she called me out on my fear. And then I said, from that moment on, I'm taking all the risks we first took. And, and the, one of the other things that we did coming out of the pandemic that I think entrepreneurs have a hard time doing and deciding on is that we brought on help and we brought on a great team, this incredible head of marketing that, you know, Karen is this genius, but we we need an engine, right? We need a machine and someone who can really take that machine and run with it. We brought on a COO who opened up all of Lego's retail stores globally. And he is so into our concept of play and experiential. So we've brought on people who can help us as we hit this massive growth stage. I mean, Karen also didn't mention, but the international piece is really big for us too, which is doing licensing deals. You know, we're, we're not going to go build 
in in Tokyo or Abu Dhabi, but we want to make we want to bring Slumu to the rest of the world, and we need partners to do that and someone with experience. And so I think what the biggest thing as as entrepreneurs and creating a, a real business is is you have to get out of your own way. You have to check your ego at the door. Nobody can do anything. And I mean, nobody can do everything. And I think it's really important to step back sometimes and let other people in. And even if you see them make a mistake or if you don't love the way they're doing something, you can't get in there and micromanage. You have to let them work it out. And because you're built, you're you're bringing in people you trust, and so a, it's finding those people you trust, and then b, being smart enough to say, I don't know this, or I need help here. Because- I love that you that you're saying this because I to your point, Sarah. A lot of entrepreneurs don't they don't think that they can bring on help, and I talk about that kind of a lot, like you know, you don't need to always have that, you know, a six figure salaried employee. There are, there's a lot of creative ways to bring on help if you need it. And there are a lot of small entrepreneurs who can't afford like a full-time COO or a head of marketing. But in today's world, people work in so many different ways and people work with so many different creative arrangements. It's really you saying to yourself, first and foremost, I need the help and I need to hire. And that's that first step. And then you figure out how you can do it to fit your plan. And you just blatantly, you know, said and recognize like we would not have been able to grow without these people and you can't grow without help. So thank you for saying that. I mean, truly, thank you for saying that. I think a lot of times people need to hear that. Um, are you guys profitable? Yeah. Say it louder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are, we are profitable, but I I also want to say it doesn't mean we're swimming right now in money. But, but, but and thank you for saying that too. But I mean, the fact that you're in the green is a really big deal, especially yeah. when you have physical locations. Yeah. It's you should be really, really proud. It's, I mean, we are not yet personally, you know, living some high life and we work really hard. I mean, the joke is that I, I get from stress. It's horrible. I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I get, I have in the last few years, my stress has led to like dermatitis on like around my chin area. And there are days where I walk in and Sarah's like, Oof, oh my God. Like she, we're friends enough where she could say that to me. It's of not course. that. But I'm like, this is what we're living right now. It's but you know hard. what? I also appreciate you saying that because so many people who are listening right now can understand that level of stress, but oftentimes feel like they're alone. And that's why I started this podcast. I mean, I started this podcast because I was laying up at night, like, you know, throwing up in my mouth for so many years, like when I was a solo founder and I had employees and I had no one to talk to. And Dear Founder is my answer to that because I want people to hear that it's not all rainbows and unicorns and it's not all swimming in money and things aren't always, you know, what they might be perceived as because it's very easy to perceive things a certain way when you see things on social media. But, you know, it is hard work and it, and we all struggle. And I think it's so important for the people who are listening to hear those real sides of, of the story. So thank you for being so forthcoming. Um, I am going to round out with my last question, which is my last question I ask everyone. And that is what are three tips that you would give to a female founder who's just getting started? Well, my, I, I have, uh, I have a couple that are really, really simple. And the first Karen mentioned, which is you have to be fearless. If you're ruled by fear, you will never be able to move forward because it is scary. And especially if you're doing something like starting a 
slime-based experience that no one has ever done before. There is no roadmap. So every single thing is new and scary. Yeah, we didn't mention that we make all of this slime in our back of house. Like it is handmade around the clock. It's we're running a restaurant, but we don't need ventilation because we're not actually cooking anything. Yeah. My my second piece of advice are get it 80% right and go. You can spend, you know, three months getting it 80% right and then three years doing that last 20%. You this is the which we talked about earlier, right? Get it right and go. Do not do not look back. Iterate as you move forward. And then, you know, when you have limited capital, which I think most founders have, is focus on something that's better, different, or special. So when we opened up our space in New York, we, and we still have them, we kept all of the lights from the retail store that was in there before. We kept the floor. We kept all the walls. We just built some beautiful, elegant, but simple walls. And we invested a lot in these gorgeous fiberglass vats that hold the slime and showcase the slime, right? So really thinking through if you have limited money, invest in the things that make your your product or your experience better, different, or special. And that will really connect your, your guest or your visitor or your customer to your brand. Um, mine are, uh, my first one is, is similar. I just always worded it differently, which is you're the baby chick and you're afraid to jump out of the nest you're going to jump out. You have to jump out of the nest and just trust that you will fly. And if you don't and you break your leg, you will pick yourself back up and get back up to the tree and do it again. And I've always been a risk taker and I've always just said, I'll I'll figure it out. And I think that goes back to being fearless. It's the number one thing. I think the other is really important to truly know what you're not good at. And it is okay cannot be good at certain things because you know what that means? You're really good at something else and work with those that you can trust in the areas that are not your strengths so that you can let that person do it and share. And the third is you have to check your ego. Nothing can be about ego because everyone is going to make mistakes. One person on your team's success is everyone's success. This is not going to happen by just the two of us. And if we had ego, none of it could happen. Like, we don't care who does an interview. I don't, it doesn't matter if if somebody is credited for something. I, we don't care. We're about what our mission is. And, and I also just saying with with a brand, I think it is really important for the, I know this is so kind of cliche, but that authenticity of what it's about and what it means. And I think, you know, it's important to have a story and not force it. So if you're just, I want to make an umbrella because I want to make an umbrella, what, why? You know, there has to be a why. And I think anything I've ever done in my life has come, it has really come from a why. And it's been a really organic thing that other people have been like, I think that's crazy. Don't do that. And I'm like, I'll show you that it's not because, you know, and and if I listened to the other people along the way, I, I wouldn't have done anything. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. 
For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Karen Rabinovitz and Sarah Schiller, co-founders of the Slumu Institute, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your personal stories and letting us in the way that you did and for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and for sharing your joy with the world because I, I can tell you that we haven't even been to the Slumu Institute yet and you've already brought joy to my family and I'm so excited to see what it's all about firsthand. So thank you. Thank you. Thank we can't you. wait for you to go. Slumo Institute is truly a business like none other. And Karen and Sarah have a story like no other we've shared here on Dear Founder. I feel so fortunate to have been able to experience Slumo Institute myself a few weeks ago with my kids right here in Chicago. And honestly, we all just had a blast. So if you have the chance to visit, I highly encourage you to go. It is so much fun. And there is just nothing better than experiencing the joy that Slumo brings to you. I absolutely loved it and so did my kids. As always, there's some great takeaways from today's conversation. And if you sign up for my email newsletter, I will send them all straight to your inbox as well as some great tips on how to grow and expand your business. But for now, here are my top five favorite takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, these two women started a business that brought joy to them and they wanted to pay it forward to others. So the takeaway there is pay it forward. Number two, they tapped into a network of influencers to get people to come in and experience Lumu and share their experiences there. The takeaway there, tap into your network. Utilize the resources that are right in front of you. Number three, you can't tell an influencer what to do. Tell them to come and experience. The takeaway here, you want a natural word of mouth representation from an influencer or from anyone who comes to experience what it is that you have to offer. Don't tell people how to share what it is that they're sharing about you and your business. Number four, get it 80% right and go. Don't look back. Iterate as you move forward. And number five, Sarah and Karen are living a brand that is truly them and it embraces their ideals. Never compromise that when you're starting a company. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. As always, brand new episodes of Dear Founder drop every Tuesday and Thursday. Thank you so much for your continued support. And Sarah and Karen, thank you so much for sharing your story. 